Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where we just start, let's do this, whatever. I'm Andrew. <laughs> I'm Zach, and dear listener, if there was ever a podcast where we were going to break our streak, not come to you this week, this was going to be it. Yeah. Because we're recording this a day later than we normally would. Uh, I was touch and go at 7.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time in the evening here. I reckon about 35 minutes to what go, I was this close to saying, mate, it's not happening. But we pushed on. Yeah. Life gets in the way. Life does everything it can to throw hurdles at us. And even though we're not steeplechase runners, we try and get over them. That's it. Do you know, it's funny. I was in the same boat about uh, an hour and a half ago. And I was just like, oh, I can't cancel twice. Because obviously, for those of you who don't know, which is everybody, uh, I canceled yesterday because I was feeling really sick. I'm a little bit under the weather. And I just felt like taking a nap instead. Um, and I almost did the same thing today. And I was like, I can't do it. I just spoke about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that you can't do things two days in a row that aren't good. But then, you know, uh, I was meant to go out to the Yangs today uh, for a 70 minute kind of vert run, but I didn't get out there. So I just hopped on my treadmill for the time and, you know, it made me feel a little bit better. Um, uh, I, I kind of just, I, I basically, I went from six kilometers an hour to up down to, oh, sorry, six, uh, Six kilometer shit. Six minute kilometer. <laughs> Good thing you edit all this. Otherwise yeah. it'd be really embarrassing. <laughs> and down to a four minute kilometer. And I just, I would do that over the course of maybe 10 minutes and I'd go back down and up and down. I just did that for 70 minutes. It was fun. That's good. I, I wish we'd done this yesterday. Yesterday I had a good running day. I too went back out to the Yu Yangs for the first time in a couple of months and did yeah. some repeats and felt really good and did my thing yesterday. And, you know, I, I would have been in a good mood yesterday. Today, I just was meant to go to the track this evening and at five o'clock, something that should have been simple at work started to get really complicated. Next thing you know, not going to track you know, eating dinner at my desk whilst being on like a two-hour phone call. And I'm like, oh, blah. And and the annoying thing is now it's all fine. Like, actually, yeah. it's all fine. There's nothing else for me to do tonight, but I lost two hours of my predetermined peak exercise time, and it just messes with you. You know, I was really bummer. looking forward to going to the track tonight. I really that's was. A, that's a real bummer. And it's funny because I didn't realize that you didn't go to the track and then when you were spot on time for 7.30, I'm like, oh, he mustn't have, he mustn't have gone to the track because normally track goes until about, what, 7.15? Yeah, 7.15 or so. And I, I'm yeah. rushing in and I'm like, hey, I just got home. I'm running late. No, I just I couldn't I couldn't get the track tonight. It was just not in the cards, unfortunately. Yeah. How's your so, training going otherwise? My training's going wise. I, I actually can afford, quote, unquote, not to go to track tonight because I had a really good – like I did a – uh, a longer run on Tuesday because it was the public holiday here in Melbourne. So I got out a little bit longer on Tuesday and yesterday I did some hill repeats. And so I can afford to do now a normal, um, a normal park run on the Saturday and then a longer run on Sunday. And I'll be right where I'm meant to be for my training at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I felt like going tonight, you know, maybe I could still go. I'm not going to go after we finish podcasting. It's going to be dark and I just had spaghetti. So let's be honest, that's not happening. But yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, what do we want to talk about today? Uh, well, I think today uh, I decided, well, it was again, listeners, that it was one of those things where I messaged Zach and I was like, hey, man, what the hell should we talk about tomorrow? Uh, and this is, of course, on Tuesday. And then I was like, oh, have we done a running myths episode? And we both are under the impression that we haven't. 
We both think we haven't. Firstly, when Andrew messaged me to say, hey, what do you think we should talk about tomorrow? It was a voice message that he always leaves me when he's driving. And I believe you called me a pissant. Was that the phrase you used? What did I say? Oh, I called you a dip ass. I don't know why. (laughs) Dip ass. What what is a dip ass? What sort of um, New Jersey and Puerto Rican (laughs) via Australia code is dip ass? Or is that a a term of endearment? I think think it's got to be a term of endearment. It was just like, it was the first thing that popped into my mind. And I was like, you know what? Uh, it's about time. I haven't called Zach anything really stupid lately. Let's uh, let's try this out for a second. The dip ass. It's like a dipstick in the buttocks. A dip exactly. Ass. Dip okay. Ass. All right. Hmm. That's fun so, for everyone. So it was like, hey, dip ass, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? <laughs> and then you just rabbited on. And to be honest, I spent the next 45 seconds trying to work out what the hell dip ass meant and didn't really listen to you. That's fair. Uh, and then you came up with this running myth one. So yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna bust some myths. Yeah. So, okay. So basically everybody, you know, if you're getting into running or if you've been running, you know, that there's a lot of running gets a bad rap, right? A lot of the times, if you get injured, your doctors tell you to stop running. That's not always the answer. Uh, There's also people, you know, if you want to get into running, there's a lot of preconceived notions as to how to do that, when to do that, who can do it, um, how to do it. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about those. So I, I kind of thought about, 10 really uh, popular myths that that always kind of come up in the running world. I think I sent a copy to Zach. You did send a copy to me. Yes. All right. Well, I guess we can just, I mean, these are in no particular order, but we'll just start with number one. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to start. I thought about starting with number six or possibly throwing in a four, but I think tradition says let's start with number one. And I'm happy to do that. If there's anything that my musical theater background has taught me, it's that we should start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. Don't you start though in music like four, three, two, one, or am I? Oh yeah. I do start at five, six, seven, eight when I teach dance, but I was talking about, you know, sound of music. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you know, Cool. That's maybe another... one, two, three, depending on if you're doing a waltz. So, anyway. Confession, Sound of Music is another one of those vastly popular things that I refuse to watch really? because it's too popular. Yep, never seen okay. Sound of Music. Wow. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess if you're not really into musicals, you're not missing much, but it's kind of just like classic Julie Andrews. Mm. I mean, I have an arts degree. I feel like I'm open Do to that Everybody sort of and their mother has an arts degree, Zach. Well, my mother doesn't. She might. She worked in the potato farm, harvesting spuds for you to eat. That's not true. You were nowhere near born when she was on the farm. And also her dad was a baker. So this is just complete shit I've made up. Yeah, Fair enough. That was fun. Okay. Let's get to these. Running myths, starting with number one. What is it? Running is bad for your throat. Hold on. (laughs) Running is bad. Running is just generally bad. Um, that's not a myth. I'm here to tell you that this entire podcast is a lie. Running is bad for you and you shouldn't do it. Good night. Exactly. I just choked a little bit. I might die. I'm crying. Number one, running is bad for your knees. <laughs> Which we actually spoke about a couple of weeks ago, I remember. And I think we proved it then that running is not bad for your knees in that when you talk about the knee as a joint and the knee is two bits of bone with cartilage in between them, running will not hurt a knee that is uninjured it will not make a healthy knee bad what will happen is that running will make a whole bunch of muscles in your legs hurt and your knee as a focus point in your leg may 
feel like it's the manifestation or the centralization of that, but it's not going to wear. You don't magically start running two days a week and all of a sudden all your cartilage disappears. That's not true. That's right. And, you know, a lot of the times when we develop knee problems, it is related to something else. Like for me, my knee pain stems from my hip. And that has more to do, or well, less to do with the actual impact of running and the other things like your form, your technique, your strength, strength and balances, even right down to your shoes. Like I tell mm. you what, I, you know, I am a firm believer that a part of the reason why I've been able to go on this streak this past year without injury is because I have found shoes that really work for me. And, you know, cause when I was running in Brooks and the stability shoes, I was constantly getting IT band, hip pain, knee pain. And now, I mean, sure I'm strengthening areas, but there's a lot to do with the shoes that I'm wearing as well. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's just mostly bad knees doesn't stem from running bad knees stems from many, many other things and certainly can be exacerbated by running a certain way or in a certain bit of gear, but yeah, healthy running will not hurt your knees. Healthy, Correct. you know, the, the knee is a complex joint can get injured. But then again, I'd say in running and people we know who are running, knees are not what comes up. Calves come up, hamstrings come yeah. up, Achilles yeah. come up. Glutes very rarely, every day. Yeah, very rarely do you hear someone with a bad knee that hasn't had like an incident. Now, if you're a trail runner or you're doing something that's a little bit more stoppy starty, jumpy, uppy, downy, then yeah, there's more opportunities for the knee to twist and so forth. But normal, right. flat, easy pace running, no, that's not going to cause an injury situation for your knee and it's not going to wear away and grind out what's going on, especially with the modern advances we have these days in shoes. So yes, myth busted. Myth busted. Hmm. Uh, number two, only the professional runners need a running coach. Which... I I just no. I just think this is a very interesting one. And I've seen this float a lot, come up a lot. And, you know, it's interesting, like running's like anything else, right? To me, if you wanted to learn an instrument or if you wanted to like learn how to cook or learn how to do something, you, you'd hire a professional to help you. Or if you want to get in shape, you'd hire a professional to help you. But for whatever reason, running has this stigma that only professionals and elites should have a coach. But I, I feel like, and we've spoken about this, one of the greatest things about running is that you can improve your running, but also one of the biggest problems with running is if you don't have some kind of a structure, you can really get lost or get injured. And I mean, somebody to do that for you, I think is invaluable. Yeah. You can self teach yourself running to a certain extent, but you've got to be very careful and very lucky not to overdo it and put yourself in a situation where you can hurt yourself. And, you know, the thing that echoes in my mind is something you said a couple of weeks ago, which was, you know, a running coach takes away all of that decision-making confusion where you have to be the person to decide what to do. You can just focus on running and let someone else crunch the numbers and work out what it is you need. And you just need to be honest with yourself and committed. And, you know, what price can you put on that? Exactly. Exactly. And that's for me, like why, my running coach, Kirk, is like, it's, I mean, I have seen so many improvements based on, you know, the training that he's given me. And really, you're right. Like, I don't have to think about anything as long as I'm doing the work yep. and I'm being honest with him about that work. 
you know, because if, if something's hurting or if I'm not feeling great, I have to tell them. But on the flip side, if I'm not going to do the work, well, you know, I'm not going to get the results. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be super expensive. Like you can get a membership to like a general running club. That's, you know, not so much about specific one-on-one coaching, but just general advice, general group mm-hmm. sessions. WinFit, for instance, is 10 bucks a week. I yeah. mean, that's two coffees and I get to run three or four times a week if I want to with people. Yeah. And you have yeah. structured workouts that Mark comes up with or, or mm. Jenna comes up with and you don't have to worry about anything. Exactly. So only pros need a coach. That is a myth that has been busted. That's right. You want to take us uh, for the next one? Do you have a number three? The myth is that you have to be young and fit and skinny to run. Nope. Nope. (laughs) There are runners in all shapes and sizes. Do you know, back in the... 70s and 80s when running started really becoming mainstream like i'd say before that there was a much bigger stigma on who can be a runner yeah but i mean if you go to any race i don't care what distance you're racing you're seeing i mean unless you're looking at those extreme races like the like uh what's that one in death valley um the death valley marathon no (laughs) i can't remember Um, called but like you probably this is death valley of palooza that's um, the one death you valley find of runners Rama. of all shape and size there but yeah. most 99 percent of the races you're going to find runners of all shapes and sizes yeah and you don't have to the problem is if you wait to get fit to start anything oh no. you're never going to start ever yeah. back to oh, oh. sorry you go I would say that of that, you have to be young, fit, and skinny. The young one is the one that's completely irrelevant. Mm. Like it's never – you remember Bobby from WinFit? Yeah. Like he started running when he was 60-odd, um, you know, had never run in his entire life, went to park run, thought, oh, this is fun, got inspired to start running, and took like 20 minutes off his PB. Yeah. Um, you know, eventually got to under a 30-minute 5K or something, which is just astonishing. You don't have to be young. And, yeah – the reason why you start running is to get fit. You don't have to be fit to start running. I mean, that's catch 22 situation. That's right. Mm. That's right. Uh, it's like anything else. If you wait for a certain response from your body, it's just never going to happen. So just get out. Like if you want to run, run it's, I mean, look, the very basics of running, I mean, yes, running can be expensive as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, but the very basics of running, go get a, go get fitted for a pair of running shoes. And that could be the most expensive thing that you do. Like everybody's yes. got some kind of workout clothes. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be Nike or Under Armour. You can go to Walmart or Kmart and get $10 running shorts. Just go. Mm. Just and do and it. also if once you've been to a couple of race events, what you'll realize is talent is more impressive than skinniness mm. because you know, what people care about is not, um, you know, how much you weigh, but what, how's your, what's your performance, you know, sure. how much effort are you putting in? I'd rather see a 200 pound runner run a sub three hour marathon like Nick bear yeah. than I mean, well, don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching Elliot Kipchoge, but we know he's going to do it right. Like if yes. you watch somebody who's a bigger athlete, Clydesdale runner, somebody who's big and, and even if they're not fast, even if they're just doing it to me, that's yeah. just, that's impressive. Do you know, what's really impressive to me are the people that take five and a half hours, yeah. or six hours to do a marathon because they're out there for that long. Like, when I did that because of my when, back to my knee because of my knee a few years ago, that was the hardest five and a half hours I've ever done. And yes. for some people, that's where they live. And I think that that's really impressive. I mean, yeah. 
when you think about it, Elliot Kipchoge is only out there for a couple of hours. It's not that impressive. Yeah, you're twice as impressive if you're doing a five-hour marathon as he is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we should um, be getting the sponsorship deals. Exactly. It should hell? be like longest marathon. Like who can do the most longest marathon without taking the piss? Exactly. Like the guy who did the London marathon in the deep sea diver outfit, and it took him three days. Yeah, like, I'd like to buy shoes from him. Right, because you know, or the guy that did it with the washing machine, because you yes. know those those shoes can withstand a beating. Exactly right. So there yes. you go. So All young, right. fit, and skinny, busted. Myth busted. Number four. You need to run fast. No, you don't. As an better. ultra runner, no, you don't. That's right. It's better that you do. I think Zach made the joke a few months ago or last year. You know, the big big joke amongst ultra runners is that they run around the corner and then they laugh at you and start walking. Exactly right. You don't have to run fast. Depending on the distance, I mean, you know, if you're going to do 100 meters, I'd suggest you try and have uh, a goal to run that quickly. Mm. But once you get to certain um, legs and everything, firstly, are you finishing? Are you having a good time? Yeah. Are you not injured? Like, again, um, unless you're going for podiums and medals and stuff like that, the whole reason we get together and do these events is to see how we go as individuals against ourselves and to have fun and be part of a community. And, you know, no one in that community is really going to care if you run a 158 half marathon or a 202 half marathon. Like, it right. doesn't matter. No one cares. No. Um, what they care about is that you're out there and you're having fun and you're making the event big and celebratory. So, yeah. Exactly. And, look, there's nothing wrong with trying to run fast. Like, <clears throat> you know, Zach and I, we try to run fast. I try to podium races. But you know what? Even, even on the road to running a fast race, like, if we dive into that even more, most of my running is slow as hell. Like yeah, most of my running is like a 640, 650 kilometer. Maybe that'll come down as, as I get more uh, efficient, but like that's where most of my running is to be training to run a sub five minute, you know, uh, kilometer for a marathon. Running slow is good for you. There are yeah. specific things that happen within your body when you run slow especially if you have a couple hard workouts during the week, you have to have a bunch of slow running because there is recovery processes, processes that happen within your body when you're doing that. Whereas if you're not running slow or you're running too fast, that stuff doesn't happen. And that's where injury happens. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of twofold to this myth. A, no, you don't have to run fast because nobody, you don't need to impress anybody. And B, you don't always need to run fast because it's just downright bad for you if you do. Yeah, exactly. There's um, running fast in a race. Okay, is that the point? Probably not. But also, if you are wanting to race and you do want to run fast in the race, you don't have to run fast all the time during training. Right. Um, you need to pay attention to what you're doing. Now, I will say that if you are you know, just going out there and wanting to run just for the sake of running, that is completely okay. If you do want to try and push yourself and get a PB, you do need to include some fast running. Sure. in your training but you don't have to run fast all the time and running Busted. is subjective too it's, yes. it's it's running fast to me is different than running fast to another athlete right so correct i guess to go uh in uh, hand in hand with that don't try to replicate anybody else's speed or their routine because it ain't going to work don't try to run elliot kipchoge's training because you'll probably injure yourself and die yeah, you can find someone who has the exact same age, height, body weight, all the physical dimensions between you and them can be exactly the same. I would not suggest you pick up and slavishly follow their training routine. No. 
you know, you might use it as a guide, but the first thing you would need to do is go, well, where am I relative to this? Running is all about relativity, relative to the other people in the race, relative to what mother nature and terrain is going to throw at you, relative to what you did last time. Um, all it is, is it's a measurement against something else. And sometimes it's just relative to, hey, I don't feel good at the start of the run. How do I feel afterwards? And that's where endorphins kick in. And, you know, you always feel better after a run. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Speaking of which, myth number five, you're not a runner if you walk. Well, I don't believe that. And uh, from personal experience, I, a lot of my easy runs, sometimes even my temp, like my not threshold, but some of my tempo runs, I'll end up walking the last 30 seconds because it's just, it keeps me on pace. Yep. There is a big run walk movement that is so powerful. Yes. Uh, you know, it's such a great way to do it. And, you know, if you run, you're a runner. It doesn't matter yes. if you walk or not. Like who doesn't walk? Everybody walks. Yeah, correct. And I mean, we talked about before ultra marathons. Most of that, a lot of that stuff is running. Yeah. Like, you know, again, if you're a normal quote unquote athlete, Half of the time is when you're on a trail run or an ultra run, you're running the flats, you're running the downhills, you're getting to a hill, you're like, well, now I power walk, now I power hike um, and push yourself up that way. And it's a great way on those more endurance events is you need those walking breaks because if you're on a 50K event, a 100K event, a 100 miler event, if you wait to get to an aid station to stop and refuel, well, that's dead time because you're not moving. If you can refuel and take care of things and problem solve on an ultra run whilst you're walking, well, you're still moving forward. And so that's where, you know, necessary walking breaks can be tactical on events like that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, <clears throat> there is no difference between somebody who runs well, I mean, other than how they do it. If somebody can run a 330 marathon run walking, yep. as opposed to somebody who has to run the whole time to make that time. I call both of those people a runner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you're not a runner if you walk. No, you're a marathon finisher if you finish a marathon. You're a 50K finisher if you finish a 50K. You finish a 10K if you need to walk. So be it. Yeah. You know, don't see it as, oh, I walked during a 10K. See it as, oh, I did a uh, walking interval during my run. Yeah. That's all it is. That's what I say. Yeah. Any distance makes you a runner. Correct. Uh, number six, and this kind of goes back to number three a little bit. Mm. Uh, everyone will look at me. And this is kind of a, a thing that I see a lot, especially with people trying to get in shape for the first time. If they're going to the gym. If they're going for a run. They're very much afraid that people are going to look at them. And my biggest answer to that is, especially if they're going to a gym, nobody, nobody's looking at you. Like everybody's there to do their own thing. Everybody's running their own race. Everybody's training their own thing. They're doing their own journey. Nobody's looking at you unless you're doing something purposely stupid. <laughs> you know, or if you're running with a washing machine on your back in a marathon yep. or in a costume, or if you're trying to get attention, then maybe yes. people are looking at you. But nobody's looking at you because yeah. they got their own stuff going on. Yeah. I, and I'll level with you, dear listener, new listener, new rudder, because this is the podcast that keeps it real. We're bringing you're say it what from. I'm thinking. We're bringing it from the streets, from the track, from the trail, from the treadmill. Um, runners are a very judgy lot of people. We do look at and judge other people, but it's from a point of curiosity. Like runners are always trying to learn. When we see someone running with a different style, 
we don't look at that person and go, oh, that person's style is wrong. We sit there and go, wow, how is that person running that way, running that quickly, running that well with that style? Is that something I should try? Mm. You know, you know we're, we're constantly looking for what other runners are doing, partly to learn, but also partly to remind ourselves of what we should be doing. You know, if I see someone running very hunched over, I'm not judging that person for running hunched over. I'm sitting there going, oh, well, maybe I should open myself up a little yeah. bit. Um, and run a little bit differently. Um, or if I'm seeing someone running with a beautiful heel kick, you know, I'm not judging them for a funny foot style. I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I should really be lifting my heels more when I drive through to get the momentum. So, so runners will look at, and it's hard, like when you're in a race or when you're running past someone in the street, you naturally look at them. But I would say we spend, you know, 60% of our time, 70% of our time is looking at the other person's form and using it to either try and learn something or remind ourselves, it comes from a position of curiosity, yeah. to be honest. I don't think I've ever, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever looked at a runner and judged them. No, because any runner I've ever seen running, I have ran that way before. Yeah. If I see someone, you know, having a tough day, it's hot, they're not having a great day, they're shuffling along, their head's down. I've been there. If I see someone bounding along, chest out, having a great day, I've been there. Like I've, I've done that all. So every time I look at another runner, it's again, back to that thing about relativity. It's like, okay, what's that person doing versus what am I doing now? And what have I done in the past? Very rarely would I look at someone and go, oh, that, unless like Andrew said, they're trying to be noticed or they're doing something stupid. Would I look at someone and quote unquote, judge someone? You know, we, we judge ourselves by mm -hmm. looking at other people. We don't judge the other person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's just not the way we're, we're wired. No. And the good thing about running is, Nine times out of 10, we're so goddamn miserable while we're doing it. We don't have time to look at anybody else. If we're looking at you, we're judging you because you might be having a good time when yeah. we're not. And so, exactly. yeah, we've spoken about this before in marathons. You know, even though we're vying for position 1000 or whatever, there's still a little bit of competition with the person next to you. So you're looking at the other person, but you're not looking at the other person in terms of, you know, judging what they're doing, you're looking yeah. at the other person for inspiration. Exactly. Push yourself along. Exactly. Like mm -hmm. every time I'm in a race, I find somebody that I've, I'm leapfrogging with, or maybe they are like, like they look a little bit fitter than me. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and I'm like, I'm just trying to keep up with this person, or I'm trying to, you know, pass this person, or I'm just trying to pace with this person. It's never, it's never like, unfriendly or <clears throat> i mean sure i joke around when when we're talking about races and i'm like i'm gonna drop this guy but it's never really it's never really like that yeah except for when it is like that and we've spoken uh -huh. about the number of times that we've um gotten it wrong and we've often said that you shouldn't judge a runner by what they look like because there could no way you can tell how that person's going to perform but let's say it does happen because it does let's be honest we will um judge a person and say, oh, based on their appearance, this is what we think they should be doing. And then they will run, and one of two things will happen. One will be that person will absolutely smash it out of the park. They'll be running way better, way faster, whatever than we thought they would, and we will be impressed. And we will be like, wow, that's amazing. I did not think that person could do that. Don't I feel like an idiot for judging a book by its cover? That's option one. Option two will be, we judge a person by their appearance and then they go off and they perform at around about the level that we thought they would. And what we'll think is, well, that's really good that they're still doing it. It's still really good that they're trying. It doesn't, they haven't lost anything in our eyes. 
because we're we're the idiots who have judged them beforehand. You know, by us looking at someone in advance and judging them, all we can do is make ourselves look like an idiot when the person outperforms what we think, and it makes us realize we don't know anything. And when someone does happen to perform the way we assumed, we're not sitting there going, oh, geez, we're idiots. Are we geniuses for, for judging that person? What we're thinking is, well, that person's still out there, still doing it. Runners mm-hmm. at the end of the day admire other runners who run. Correct. Hmm. Number seven, you should stretch before running. No, it- stretching is pointless and it hurts. <laughs> exactly. It's actually, this is really funny. And I'm, I, I would be very curious to see, because I, I don't know if they did this in Australia, but in America, in high, in high schools, we all, uh, I think most years, all the way through high school, in gym class, we would do the mile just as a fitness test. Um, no. No. Okay. Well, before we did that, we would always be led through like static stretches. So for those of you who don't know, static stretches are the stretches that you hold, like bending over, touching your toes, quad stretches, that sort of thing. And we'd always be led through that before running because like 20 years ago that was what it was so i'd be very interested to see if it's still like that but no you shouldn't you shouldn't stretch like that before running because it basically and zach actually said this a few months back on one of the episodes stretching actually takes away some of that elasticity that you need in in your in your uh, in your body when you're running and if you take away too much of it that you will injure yourself because there's no yeah. give. There's no, yeah, there's no yeah, shock absorption. An, an elastic band that holds power and holds tension is not one that's sitting there loose and relaxed and floppy like a stretched muscle. It's one that has got power in it. It's coiled, it's taut. And so what you want to do is before you run, you want to warm up, you want to get stuff moving, but you don't want to stretch the power out of that right. um, because it's not going to be there when you push up. And listen, it might be, uh, a, a fraction of a percent or a couple of percents or something but you know it's just counterintuitive like you want the explosiveness you want the it's like when you're doing deadlifts and you you know you want to get yourself into a position before you do the deadlift and then you want to drop down into the deadlift position but move straight into the deadlift movement as quickly as possible because if you drop and hold that for too long then the the power you gained by that initial movement goes away so you've got a fraction of a section to, second to make that work. It's the same with your elasticity. If once you stretch it out of the muscles, it's not going to come back in the middle of your run. It's gone. That's right. Mm-hmm. And now don't confuse this with runners don't need to stretch. Like it's certainly good to stretch, you know, after your it's run. It's not good to stretch. Stretching is horrible. Stretching sucks. <laughs> um, I would even say necessary. Like, it's like I, breathing. I would Stupid even say breathing. you don't have to stretch after every run. I would say if you're going to stretch and you hate stretching, just stretch after like your quality days, like your, your speed workouts and your long runs. Like you don't have to stretch after your easy day. Screw it. But it doesn't if, have to be static stretching. It can do just like a reverse warm up. Like yeah. what you do to warm up, do that to cool down. It's all exactly. about bringing your heart rate down. Slowly. Exactly. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, it all depends on the person too. Like I know when I static stretch after hard days or long days, it benefits me, but I know plenty of people who don't and like, that's good for them too. Like it just depends as all things running. It just depends on the type of athlete you are, the type of frame you have, the type of body type you have, that sort of thing. It depends on, yeah, exactly on where, for instance, I get a lot of lower back stuff. And so I find any sort of 
yoga or Pilates or anything that helps strengthen my lower back and strengthen my core, that's a good thing to do after stretching. And with someone who has Achilles injuries, you know, anything to stretch the calf out works. Um, So I will prioritize those. But that's, again, the more important thing is, like you said before, if you're running a route, try and finish it half a kilometer from your house where you finish and the last half a kilometer or so, use that to do some walking and cool down properly. You know, don't do static stretching, but do like muscle movements, do some windmills, do some high knees. You know, stretching doesn't need to be hold and flex. Having said that, some people love that because they can associate that with some sort of yoga, some sort of mindfulness. Uh, and that's also another great thing to do is, you know, after, uh, you know, you don't want to do it after a long run, after a damn long run, you've had nothing to do but think for three and a half hours, you just want to be around people. But it's a good to also, you know, build some mindfulness in after runs. And that's where more yoga than holding muscles of tension in a static can be the way to go. Absolutely. Mm. Well, you touched on it before and you want to take us into number eight? It feels like I'm setting all of these up with the perfect segue Indeed. because number eight is the myth is runners don't need to strength train. <sighs> It's that, almost more important than stretching. Yeah, it is. De- I'd say it is definitely more important than stretching. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's so many benefits from strength training, explosiveness. I mean, at the very core, when you run, you're impacting your body and you're, you're, you're landing with like, what, 10 times yep. your body weight. Your muscles kind of need to be strong to be able to take that kind of beating because running is just a series of single leg lunges, really. Yeah. And, and strength training is a great thing to do in off seasons and strength training lets you do cross training because strength training is an excuse to go stuff that you wouldn't otherwise do because all you're meant to be doing is running. Mm. So strength training is a great release mentally um, from running and, and also strength training builds up your muscles in a way that doesn't have the impact of running, which is mm. so important as well. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, you will find, I mean, it's so useful strength training, especially unilateral stuff. So that means training one body part at a time, like single Mm. leg lunges or Bulgarian split squat uh, squats, that kind of thing. It's very important. And I'm not just talking about lower body, like upper body stuff is important as well because we use our upper body when we run, but it's very important to find imbalances. Like I know for me, my right is just really much weaker than my left. So there are certain exercises that I will do only on my right side, or I will do on both sides, but my left side, I'll be doing considerably less reps or less weight. Because if you have a severe imbalance and you're doing the same thing on both sides, you're always going to have that imbalance. So if you have like a real big imbalance on one side, it's always giving you injury. Look into, and I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm saying look into trying not to train both sides equally. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but definitely it's, it's a useful tool to see if you have those imbalances that could lead to an injury. Yep. And, and strength training is also a great way to see how is your running fitness translating or not translating to other things. Like I was amazed. I got back into strength training in the last month or so after the marathon because i'm like okay i'm I'm kind of in a rest period one of the things i'm going to do is build back into a strength routine so that when my running picks up my strength routine is already there and it's not something i need to add to a heavy running load it's more like i'm adding a running load to the basic strength training that i'm doing and i was astonished at how my 
heart rate, which can sit there on a long run and not move at all for a couple of hours. I do a couple of sets of high intensity type stuff. And I was like, I could feel my heart coming through my chest. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Like, and I, I noticed that I certainly noticed that when I take an extended period of time off of strength training, that when I get back into strength training, sometimes I'm more gassed doing that than I am getting back into running. Yes. It's weird. It is. And it's also useful because people will sit there and go, okay, you're a runner. You're a fit person. Help me move this coffee table. And coffee tables are heavy. And so. It's also kind of a burden that sucks though. Yeah. Like you're fit help. Oh, but am I though? But yeah. you know, you know, the thing about being fit is that we're always tired. And we're always sore. Like don't make me go on the top bunk because I'm agile. Everybody who tells you getting, bunk. everybody who tells you getting fit gives you more energy is a liar. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So, but, but you should strength train and strength training doesn't mean weights all the time. Strength training means bike riding, mm. it means rowing machine. It means hiking with a little bit of resistance. Yeah. Um, you know, there's stuff you can do. Strength training slash cross training, you know, something else. It doesn't have to be, you know, yeah, there is definitely studies that show runners really benefit from doing heavy weights, low yeah. reps. We get you know, bang for buck is the best way to strength train if you are a runner. But you know what's better than not strength training at all? Anything, yeah. something. Just fit something else in just so you don't become one of those weirdos that only run and all they do is running. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. And if you hate the idea of strength training, just build it into your warm-up. You know, yes. do some do some plyometric work, do some squats, do some lunges before your warm-up. Even if it's only five minutes every other day, it's something. And, and that's what I started doing. I've started doing 10 to 15 minutes of strength training, no more than, say, six sets of a particular type of exercise before I do my, my run or my bike rides or something. And you can it's, even you make know, it interesting. Like you can hmm. do some, like if you want to do like a, a fun run and you want to break up the monogamy of running hmm. every mile, every sorry, every kilometer, every couple kilometers, just drop down and do like 20 push-ups and then keep going. Yeah, I mean, just do some push-ups. Push-ups are really hard if you haven't done them for a while. Just start yeah. with that. Yeah. Good times. All right. Myth number nine. Runners can eat anything they want. You know the old expression, nope. <laughs> can I oh. tell you that, when... <laughs> the, that That wise old saying, yeah. nope. I gained, when I was training for my, my first marathon, I think I gained five kilograms. Yeah. Um, even though I was running as much as I had more than I had ever run before, I gained five kilograms. And there's a couple of reasons why a that my body was retaining water. Sure. But also I believed that I could eat anything that I wanted with all these extra, all this extra running, but really you yeah. just, you can't, I mean, even if you, even if you burn best case scenario on a 20 mile, 32 kilometer long run, 2000 calories or 1500 calories, that's 1500 calories that doesn't extend for days and days. That's just 1500 calories. Sure. You'll burn a little bit extra for the rest of the day because you've worked so hard, but it's, I mean, 1500 calories doesn't go far. No, like not at all. It's still the, just because you're running, the equation is still there. Calories in versus calories out equals weight gain or loss. And so if you're, if you burn a total of 4,000 calories throughout the day, because a big long run, if you eat 5,000 calories, you're still going to gain weight. Yeah, I, I cannot lose weight when my training load hits a certain point. Like at a certain point, the training load and the amount of food that you need to eat to keep yourself going and help mm -hmm. your body recover 
is at a point where you can't afford to cut anything out of that to quote unquote lose weight. Mm. Where I lose weight is in the downtime. It's in the off season where because I'm not running so much, there's not as much physical demand on me. So I'm not as hungry. So I can afford to be a little bit you know, tighter with my nutrition going out. Once we get into run mode, mm. you have to be careful not to overdo it, mm. but you know, it, being able to eat whatever you want or being able to lose weight, that's not going to happen. No. And you know, it's, it's better if you don't lose, especially if you're in a no. big build, you don't want to be losing weight because you need the energy you want. If anything, you want to maintain. Yes. Um, and you will find that sometimes, cause it's a hard balance to hit and you will feel ravenous after big runs and you will want to eat everything. Like the days after my long runs are the, when I'm, especially right now, when I'm leaning out are the only days that I don't track what I eat because I, I'm either going to gain weight or I'm going to maintain, but I'm not yep. trying to, I'm not trying to be in my head about losing weight, but at the end of the day, I've got to be smart about it and know that that is the day. Like yep. just because you have one big run throughout the week and you have a bunch of other runs throughout, doesn't mean that you can eat every day. Like you do on long run days. It's just not going to work out. No. For you. And it goes the opposite way. So runners can eat whatever they want. But again, if you're doing a heavy load and you're trying to, maintain that weight you might have to eat more than yeah. you're naturally used to so you can't just sort of sit there and go oh well you know i'll just have two bits of toast hey if you've got an up and down a 25 kilometer run faster before that you're going to need more than those two bits of toast because whilst from a hunger perspective you might be able to manage that your body will not recover no, your body needs really protein it needs need carbs yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Mm. Yeah. all right and myth number 10 running gets easier Nope. Also, nope. It never, you know, it's funny, no matter how many quote unquote easy runs I go on, yeah. they're probably the ones that feel the most sluggish. Yeah. If you think running gets easier, take three weeks off and then tell me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it just, there's, there's so many different reasons as to why this is untrue. A, your easy runs are more geared toward heart rate and effort, but you still feel a little bit sluggish because the easy runs are there generally in the middle of hard workouts so that you can recover well enough yeah. to do the hard workouts. And then the hard workouts, well, they're hard and they never get any easier because it's a cliche, but it doesn't get easier. You get stronger. So yes. your five minute kilometer interval turns into a four forty five interval, four thirty, four minutes. And that RPE, that rate of perceived effort remains the same but at a faster pace so yeah. it sure in the sense that uh you know running a four and a half hour marathon might eventually feel easier than a three and a half hour marathon mm. whereas four and a half hours maybe where you started you're still you, it's not like you're staying there you're gonna you're gonna progress um and I would even argue that a four and a half hour marathon, no matter what kind of shape you're in, still not going to feel easy. Yeah, absolutely. It's still a freaking marathon. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember the, my first ever marathon, I was running with a four hour pacer and he had a marathon PB of like 250 something. And I was like, oh, this must be really easy for you. And he said, it's still a marathon and it's four hours on the legs. Yeah. Like in some case, this is harder for me than running a three-hour marathon because I've got to be on my legs for an extra 33% of the time. You see, and that's a very interesting point. I would argue that some of my quality hard speed workouts are easier. I mean, 
effort wise, no, but easier definitely on the body because yeah, I mean, you're spending less time on your feet when you're running faster. Even if you're running the same amount of time, like if you're running 10 minutes, you're still running 10 minutes, but in that 10 minutes, you're spending less time on each foot because you're picking it up off the ground faster. Whereas if you're running slower, you're impacting harder, longer, even if it's a fraction of a second that adds up over time. Um, so yeah, I, I would say <clears throat> slow runs, though easy on the heart rate can feel harder for that fact alone. Yeah, your definition of easy will change as you get fitter, but also your expectations for yourself will change. So whereas when you first start running, you might sit there and go, oh, wow, it's a real struggle for me to get out and do 5Ks in the morning. Next thing you know, you're doing 7Ks. Next thing you do, you're doing 9Ks. Next thing you know, you're doing 10Ks. So it's still the same quote-unquote effort. You're still going to feel as tired during the run at the end of the run. But when you look back at it, you'll be like, well, I'm actually doing twice as much in that time period as I did in the past. But that time, that relative, you know, what is my go out in the morning and go for a run is going to stay the same level of difficulty. It's just you're going to get more bang for your buck. You're more efficient at doing it. Exactly. Mm. Whether whether you're going longer or faster at the same pace, at the different pace, it's just never going to... Mm. Running, running is always suck. Yep. yes so that's 10 running myths that we have conclusively with evidence and through experience proven uh myths they're wrong they're incorrect um they've all got a little bit of truth they were all thought to be a good idea at some point um at some point these were all probably a lesson that were passed down Mm. Uh, but we know now more and now you dear listener know more because you've listened to us and you're welcome you're welcome Mm. for that (laughs) So what have you got coming up? What's your plan for the next little bit? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I've got some, I got, you know, obviously more training. I did a great little five mile uh, hard effort the other day, it turned into like a progression run. That was great. So we're just starting to get some speed going, some hill repeats going. Um, I reached out to, uh, so those of you who listened to my last episode, uh, the mini about the uh, burpees and the changes in, in Spartan race, I actually reached out to Joe DeSena who is the, the creator of the Spartan races and his whole, you know, mindset has always been burpees, burpees, burpees. I mean, there's mm. other parts to his mindset than burpees, of course, otherwise he'd be a talking monkey, but um, <laughs> he loves the idea of working hard. And, you know, it's always been his dream to get people to experience that. And I wrote him an email and I said, look, I know you're a very busy person. I'm going to imagine that because he doesn't make these decisions Really, there are people that make these decisions for him because of how busy he is. He doesn't make ground level decisions like this. So I wrote him an email and I said, look, I have to imagine that this is not your decision to get rid of the burpees, knowing yeah. what I know about you. Would you be interested in getting on the podcast? And he, he wrote back. He said, look, happy to. Uh, I've CC'd a couple people in. One of them is Dave Watson. He's Australian. Um, uh, and, you know, I don't know if he will actually get on the podcast. Or if it's just a, you know, he's saying that he's happy to. And the reason that he CC these other people is because they will. But yep. it'd be really exciting if we could get him on because, I mean, he is a very hard person. So I basically just said, look, you're based in America. I'm based in Australia. I'll work with your schedule. You don't have to get up at 3 a.m. And, yep. you know, but let's get you on. So. Okay. How do you think he'd appreciate my shenanigans? I think he'd um, probably, I'm not sure. Really? <laughs> I think, he, I don't know. I think he'd probably, I'm fun. You are fun. You're great. <laughs> great. I don't know. I think he'd, I think he'd have fun with it. I think, um, I, mean, I, don't know. Him? Huh? 
Can I interject on him and interrupt him? Like I interrupt you all the uh, time? You could, you could try, but he's like, he is like, he is like a speeding train through like, he, he's, he's, he's a very, if you ever, like, I would say go onto the Spartan website or YouTube and just look up Joe DeSena and like, listen to him speak. And he is so like, boom, like he knows what he wants to say. And, you know, he's not always right in the eyes of other people, but man, he is passionate about what he believes. I'll have to train for this. It feels like. Yeah. Well, that's, I almost wrote an email to uh, ORM, Mappy Davis, who uh, extended a great inf- uh, invitation out to me. He said, if I'm ever in his area to, or there for a dragon con, he'd love to meet me. You know, the Superman thing. Uh, I almost sent him an email because he's like the, uh, he is when you think of Spartan race news or any obstacle course news, he's like the man on the ground. He's like the first one. He's, that's his thing. Everybody knows who he is. He interviews all the great athletes. And I almost wrote him. I was like, dude, I'm so nervous. Like, what if he comes <laughs> out of my podcast? How do I handle this? <laughs> yes, throw it to me. You let me handle it. Then you'll sound like the smart one. Yeah, that's probably better for everybody. Yeah. 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 It's been such a long time <laughs> since I've sounded like the smart one. Oh, that's okay. That's what I'm here for, to build you up. Thank you very much. Cool. Right on. Well, do we have uh, do we have anything else we want to get into? No, no. Dear listeners, dear God, if you've got an idea for something you want us to talk about, send it through, because otherwise next Tuesday we're going to be spinning the magic wheel and coming exactly. up with a topic. Which yeah. is fun. It's kind of working out well. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, look, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast. We hope to see you out there on the roads, the trails, and the treadmills going above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We'll catch you next time.